0: Hi, you're listening to Coldody Messianic Congregation's
1: weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at coldody.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com/forward/slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message.
0: I'm going to first, before I start, talk about what the purpose of the drash is. And the or short sermon basically is to sort of tell you that God's word is true, number one, and that God's word should control your lives. So keep in mind that as we go through the details of this short sermon. I'm going to take you back um, to 1492, and that is the year that Christopher Columbus sailed... To America and his intent was to sail to India and he believed that the earth was round and most of the people during those that time believed that the earth was flat and they believed that you would fall off the end of the earth to um, if you continued on the voyage so he had a lot of people that did not want to go on the trip with him and, as a matter of fact, they had to get the prisoners to man the ship. And even still, the prisoners were on the brink of mutiny. So, the time was such that, you know, most people believed the earth was flat. We didn't have the technology to know. But we have God's word. And so, I'm going to read a verse for to you. And it's going to be from Isaiah chapter Forty verse 22a and the verse says and speaking of God by the way we know that from the prior verses it is he God that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. So people that studied the Bible that knew God's word knew that the earth was round if they believed it. So most of the people either didn't know or Or didn't believe and back then we didn't know of course today you can look on the internet you can see satellite photographs of the earth it's obviously round you can see people that have gone into space that have taken moving pictures of the earth they're round I've seen many of them I've seen North America I have a sort of a fascination to see Florida because it's sort of shaped the way it is Um, But you can see that but back then most of the people said to those that believed the earth was round You are crazy Again either didn't believe either didn't know or didn't believe Okay, I'm going to take you now to the second thing and we have some inkling that um, we're going to have at some point a seven-year tribulation We don't know exactly when that is. We know some of the details about it. But part of it is, for three and a half years, God sends two messengers, and two messengers are going to proclaim the word. The enemy is going to fight them. God is going to empower them to squash their enemies with fire, and ultimately, the two messengers are killed and they're left in the street for three and a half days. Well, if you were around 150 years ago or further back than that, the people that did not believe in the Word of God would say, well, there's an obvious thing that is not going to come true. People all over the world are not going to be able to see two messengers that have just recently passed away. How could that possibly be? So obviously the word of God can't be true when this is an absolute proclaimed statement from God that it's going to happen. And even the believers back then said, well, you know, maybe it's metaphorical, it's not actual. Um, But as we know today, with the advent of technology, we know that you can see another event across the earth, the other side of the world, instantly. Instantly you can see it. So now people don't have that same perception. So my comment to you is, we've got a couple of other things to talk about today that absolutely impact every one of us here and every one of us in the world. And the first is in today's Torah portion. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15. And this is talking about the Messiah. The Lord your God will raise up unto you a prophet from the midst of you, of your brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. And he goes on to say that if you don't, then you're going to have to pay the price. He's referring to Messiah Yeshua. He's referring to the Messiah And it's clear, if you do not hearken unto who he sends, you will have to pay the price. And I'm going to give you one more scripture. It's Yeshua himself in John chapter 14, verse 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And it's very clear, if you don't believe in Yeshua as Messiah, If he's not one that you have given your life to, that you believe in his salvation, you're not going to see the Father, which means you're not going to go to heaven, which means you have to pay the price that he has set aside. But anyway, my message, really exhortation to you, is that God's word is true. You may say to me, you don't know that's true because you haven't lived and died and know that you won't go to the Father. And I will say to you, I have seen so much proof and evidence that God's word is true. His whole word is true. And so you have to listen to it. I exhort you to do so, brothers and sisters.
1: Amen. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 20, if you would. Praise the Lord. Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. Speak to us, we pray. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Month of Elul began last Friday, and th- th- now, of course, I want to you know be clear we we don't have to follow that. It's a it's this is um, you know Jewish practice in the Orthodox world. Jewish people are you know conscious of this in more Orthodox circles, uh, not all Jews, but we are all Jews are aware that we're approaching the holiday season, the High Holidays, and are more conscious of wanting to get closer to God, and and that we're coming to that time when. Uh, Synagogue dues are responsible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> In synagogues, you know, you you everyone attends during the high holidays, so all the money needs to get collected, you know, to be there. But um, we are th- three weeks and one day away from the beginning of the high holidays, and and just like for Christians, maybe that attend just during what Christmas and Easter. Jews many times are just going to the synagogues during Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but they're, but they're days when they take, they take very seriously and um, spend the day at many times in the synagogue on, on Yom Kippur and uh, remembering their families as well as drawing closer to God. And the shofar is blown in the Orthodox synagogues, you know, after the morning services every, not on Shabbat, but in the morning services every weekday as a wake-up call to rouse from complacency to repentance Elul, is, as many of you know, is spelled Aleph-Lamed-Vav-Lamed Lamed in Hebrew. And it's said to be an acronym for, from Shir HaShirim, Song of Songs 6.3, ani lado di let us say that. ani Aniladodi, di di I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Of course, God, my beloved, and Israel and God and us, God and each one of us, and God us collectively, but God in Israel initially. But Song of Songs, it has literally layers of meaning, you know, can, we can relate it to ourselves in a love song with us and God, but it's true to God in Israel, it's true to God in us, it's true to, yes, it can also relate to the church as well, I'm sure, by application. All of these are layers of meaning, but it's definitely... God in us as well and Elul and is a time for our souls to return to the Lord from whom we've strayed. Uh, Simon, son of John, son, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yeshua said. John 21, 15. So let's pray, be prayer in prayer and invite our Jewish friends for our upcoming high holiday services. Let's be praying about that. We all have Jewish contacts. Maybe you don't. Maybe God will give you one. Uh, if He hasn't, let's let's pray for that. And uh, our Rosh Hashanah will be here. Yom Kippur. Crystal is doing an amazing job preparing for it. At uh, for our one, we're going to have a special one at um, Plaza Mariachi. And so let's be in prayer for these special outreaches and invite our Jewish friends. <laughs> Praise the Lord. In Deuteronomy 20, we have. If you turn here, we have the laws of holy war military engagement. Uh, Anyone know the word for war in Hebrew? Milchama. Milchama. Want to try that? I don't have it up to see, but Milchama. Milchama. Uh, Lechem comes from that word. You know what lechem is? Bread. You know, I had a Hebrew teacher once said, we fight for food, you know. (laughs) Bread is, you know, we fight for food, you know. Well, Milchama is the word for Unlike... Uh, In ancient Babylon, Greece, or Rome, or the 20th century Third Reich of Nazi Germany, or today in the case of Russia in Ukraine, or possibly China in Taiwan down the road, possibly, war is not fought for empire building and profit, but to uproot iniquity and injustice uh, and create a covenantal community under divine headship in this case. This is the laws of holy war given here, military engagement in Deuteronomy 20 that God had for Israel. Now, fear is debilitating. Fear is contagious. And look at verse 1 of chapter 20. When you go to battle, when you go out to battle, the Lord says, Milchama, against your enemies, you have enemies, and you see, Horse and chariot. It's in the singular, interesting, because it's all one. See, horse and chariot, a people, more numerous, rav, you know, they're greater than you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. For Adonai, your God, the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, is with you. Now, we have enemies against us, which we have gone up to do battle against. Ephesians says, Ephesians 6:12. for our, rest, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against worldly forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So therefore, take up the full armor of God. We have. We're in a spiritual battle. There is spiritual warfare going on, and... As we move forward to serve the Lord, always there's spiritual warfare against it. The demons can only win if we let them enter through the portals of our flesh. Pride, arrogance, rebellion. That's the only way he can really enter, folks. And this was the cause of Lucifer's fall in heaven. He aspired to be like the Most High to ascend into heaven, to exalt His throne above the stars of God, to sit in the mount of the congregation, ascend above the heights of the clouds, be like the Most High, Isaiah 14, verses 13 and 14. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look. and is the first one. And then the last one, the worst seven would be the worst of it. He who sows discord between brothers. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. God, the seventh would be the worst. Is That's the, the, the ultimate worst. He who lets loose strife between brothers. God says he, he will have nothing to do with. So what happens here? God says the enemy, you go to battle, you see these enemies. And we have what we call, we'll call, we'll call it the eye gate. All right? The eye gate. Fear comes through the eye gate. It enters through our visual sense. It invades our thinking and our emotions, right? Interesting, the word see here is raita, raita. And the word fear, same Hebrew letters, is tira, tira. Very similar words, Word for sea, the root Ra'a, the word for fear, Yare, but the exact same letters in the words see and fear. Fear coming through the visual sense, invading the enemy is superior in both numbers and in military equipment. But the fear that comes is debilitating. It's contagious. What do we see? And think about it, what do we not see? Now, there's this amazing story in 2 Kings, you may want to look there, 2 Kings chapter 6, because I hadn't thought about the story in a long time, but thought about it when I read Deuteronomy 20, remembered the story of King Aram with the Arameans coming to find Elisha, Elisha, or Elijah the prophet, who is, remember, telling on the king what's going on and and he comes and it says in uh, 2nd Kings 6 that Elisha the prophet they said who is in Israel keeps telling the king I'm in verse 12 keeps telling the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom so he said go see where he is so I may send and seize him And so he sent horses, chariots, and a great army there, and they arrived at night and surrounded the city. Verse 14. Now verse 15. The man of God had risen early and gone out. Behold, an army, and look, an army with horses and chariots was surrounding the city. So his attendant said to him, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? It's over. What are we going to do? Fear not, he replied, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha, Elisha prayed and said, Adonai, please open his eyes that he may see. Then Adonai opened his eye, the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Yeah, amen. Amazing. Can you imagine that? And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed and said, please strike this people with blinding light. And he struck them with blinding light according to the word of Elisha. The Lord did it. And he led them. He ends up leading them to Samaria. And then they opened their eyes, and there they are in the middle of Samaria. Similar to, this, to what the instructions are here, God is not seen through the eye gate. He's invisible. But he is perceived through what we'll call the trust gate. Right? God is seen through the trust gate. And in verses, back to Deuteronomy 20, verses 2 through 4, when you draw near to the battle, the Kohen, the priest, will come forward and speak to the people. He will say to them, Shema Israel." That's what it is here. Hear, O Israel, Shema Israel." You are drawing near today to the battle against your enemies. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't fear or panic or tremble because of them. For Adonai, your God, is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Godly leadership is responsible to awaken the people to the greater reality of the unseen through the trust gate. To encourage and activate trust and confidence and cast down the misperceptions and lies of the evil one. All that everyone sees naturally is the vast army of the enemy. All that the Kohen or the priest and God want them to see is him. And what will help us in situations like this are what? Words. Words. Words spoken by God's appointed servants. In this case, the Kohen, the priests. And so he, he does that. And he says, he says, he brought you out. He's the God who brought you out. And he's with you now. And he'll deliver you in the future. He's the God of the past, the present, and the future. Revelation 1, verses 4 and 8. Him who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Exodus 3.14, I will be who I will be. Ehyeh, Asher, Ehyeh. I will be is His name. Or 2 Corinthians 1.10, love that. He delivered us, and He delivers us, and He will yet deliver us. Past, present, and future. Yeshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Get our eyes on the Lord. Get our eyes on the Lord, not on the enemy. Get our eyes on the Lord. And so the officers in verses 5 through 11 are to speak to the troops saying, what man has built, here's the slimming down, here's the, the uh, selection process. It says, They said, what man has built a new house but has not dedicated it? Let him go back to his house. Otherwise, he might die in the battle and another man would dedicate it. Here's the second one. What man has planted a vineyard, but has not put it to use? Let him go back to his house. Otherwise, he might die in the battle, and another man would begin to use it. What man, and, and this, I think it's interesting, because we always say, like, well, so God was protecting them here, right? God's going to fight, so what are they worried about? He says, you might die. You might die. And actually the Hebrew is, I looked up the word pen, the Hebrew word pen, actually is not saying you might die. It's actually, I really think it's saying, you will probably die. (laughs) So, and it's like we give ourselves, to when we follow the Lord, we say we're already dead. That's okay. It's all right. I'm prepared for death. That's the way it is. He says, you may die. He says the word pen translated, lest he die New King James, lest he die, but actually it means he will die. He will die, the way it's translated in uh, several, several verses in Genesis. Interesting. But third, third one, it says, what man has become engaged to a woman, but has, verse 7, but has not married her? Let him go back to his house, otherwise he might die in the battle and another man would marry her. So, if we t- say he may die, go into this knowing that it may cost me my life. In fact, it will. Words intended to thin the ranks of anyone who would have competing priorities. Let's look at Yeshua's words, Matthew 16, 24, and 25. Then Yeshua said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, his tree, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will what? will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. Find it. I, you know, I think all of us have our own stories and what we've, you know, what we had to do to follow Yeshua, to follow Jesus, giving up something, you know, making a decision that cost us something. If it didn't cost you something, it's not worth anything, right? We all did that. I know all of us that love the Lord. You've, you had to pay a price at some point to follow the Lord, right? and uh you know you gave up i gave up i was could have been a millionaire no just kidding we we sacrifice something to follow the lord right we make a decision and we count everything as paul says in philippians chapter 3 i count everything but dung it's skubalon in the greek it's you know they translate it table trash it's much worse than that it's a word that we won't use here right it really is it's excrement you know i count everything but that I might follow him. I count it that I might follow him. And we we make we make decisions, right? And it's worth it. It's worth it. Not always here, not always here, but there in, when we meet him. And so, and God will reward us, you know, he said in the world to come. They, the disciples went to Yeshua at one point and they said, Lord, we've left everything and followed you. What will we have? And he said, no man has left father, son, sister, brother, mother, so that we'll not have, you know, and he, he's promised them you're going to, God's going to bless you later, you know, uh, and now you have, you have things too, but not always, not always now. So it depends. Second Corinthians, Second Timothy 2:4, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So he tells them here in this selection. Basically, I think it's very interesting. Says you don't have to do this. It's a choice. You don't have to necessarily go into this. I don't want you to be distracted and double-minded. I don't want you torn between the two in this case. And I I think there's a principle here that God doesn't want us doing ministry in a sense out of obligation, but out of calling. If I can just make that, that application. God doesn't want us doing ministry out of obligation. Don't do it because someone else is telling you, you need to do it, you have to do this. Don't do that. Don't do it because you're feeling, because, oh, they do it, I have to do it. No, do it because of calling. God is the Holy Spirit inside you. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit inside you is saying, this is what you, Jeff was saying that last week and one of our calls, I thought that was so good, he says, you know, we have different gifts in the body of Messiah. Not, we're not all called to the same thing. We have to say, what am I called to? What are my gift things? What is, and do that with all your might. Give yourself to, the, do that thing. Don't try to do what someone else, and don't tell everyone else they have to do what you're doing. And they have to, they should be doing, you should be doing what I'm doing. That's, ju- that's wrong spirit. That's not the right spirit. You, well, I'm, I do it this way, you should do it this way. No. You do what, that's, God's put that in your heart, then you do that with all your might. Because I'm responsible to God for what He's put in my heart, what He's shown me, what He's called me to do, not what He's called you to do. We each are accountable before the Lord. God once you to serve servant, he will supply the grace and the desire. He will supply the grace and the desire. It will cost me my life, though. <laughs> it does cost me my life. Know that. Philippians 2, 12, and 13. I love these verses with this. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God, this part, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The Greek is, the original language of the text is God produces the willing in me. He puts the, will, the desire in me and the power to do it, the enabling to do it also. You see? It's all grace. It's all him. It's not me. And that's why when we stand, we're going to say, what did I do? I didn't do anything for you, Lord, because we it wasn't you doing it. It was him doing it. If I'm going to say, it's me doing it, it's, you're not going to get rewarded for it. I guarantee you, because it's flesh. But if it's God doing it in me, it's because it's, you're, then he's going to say, well, I want to reward you for it, even though you say, I, don't, I didn't do anything. The selection process if they were unable to be focused and concentrate, either because of other responsibilities or because of immaturity, because of a lack of trust in God. Because several times he says, you're afraid, you're scared, you can't do it. He says, they couldn't be a part of the army. And this is true in a team, we know, of sports. You have to slim down the roster. They've just done it in many teams in football. Football season, trim down the roster. So you have the best. Those who are able to focus, to concentrate. Those who are, are, in this case, those who are confident because their eyes are on God. Their eyes are on the Lord. The officers would then speak further to the troops and say, what man is afraid and fainthearted? Chapter 20, verse 8. Let him go back to his house so he does not weaken his brother's heart like his own. Fear is contaminating. Fear is contagious. And so God says, Don't contaminate everyone else. Go home. Go back. Don't weaken your weaken your brother if you're afraid. He says rather. Fearing human beings is a snare, Proverbs 29, 25. But he who trusts in Adonai will be raised high above the danger. Complete Jewish Bible translation. Proverbs 29. 25. For thus says Adonai, he spoke to me with a strong hand warning me that I should not walk, not walk in the way of these people, saying do not say. It's a conspiracy about everything that all these people call a conspiracy. You must not fear or tremble at what they fear. You must not fear or tremble at what they fear. Adonai, the Lord of hosts, Adonai Tsevaot, him will you sanctify. Let him be your fear, trembling at him. Isaiah 8, verses 11 through 13. Perfect love casts out, drives out fear. This is the, we've come to know and trust the love God has for us. In 1 John 4. Paul says in Philippians 1, he says, don't be, you're not frightened by in any way by your opponents. Philippians chapter 1 Verse 12, he says, in everything, all the stuff you've gone through, every different attack of the enemy, every different thing, he says, it's only, guess what? It's only worked out to the advancement of the besorah of the gospel. It's only worked out for good. It, through it all. That's a beautiful song. What a song, man, the Summers did before. What a song, through it all. Wow, through, you know, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Wow, what a song. Perfect for this message. I mean... And that's what Paul says in Philippians 1. He says, all through it all, my eyes are on you. And it worked out just for the advancement of, it resulted in the advancement of the gospel. And he says, live in a manner of life worthy of the good news. Verse, 20, verse 12 and then 27, standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side, everyone, with one mind for the faith of the good news and not being frightened in any way by your Opponent so I said I remember when I was chaplaining a mission ship years ago in the 80s um, When I was five years old now in the 80s I was chaplaining a mission ship and we went to Haiti and then to Roatan Honduras we couldn't get into Nicaragua soldiers got on our boat and started firing their guns We couldn't get in it was political so bad, but we had medical missions We took, took medical team and everything, but I remember on that ocean many times Things and different, all the things, the ship would break down. It was an old Norwegian ship not built for the Caribbean. You know, we had to sleep on pieces of foam every night on the, on the top of the ship because you couldn't sleep down. In the, and everything would go wrong. The ship would break down, and we didn't know how are we going to get going again, you know. Everything. Was, and every time we'd go back to those verses, it's going to work out for the furtherance of the gospel, and it always did. It's going to work out for the furtherance of the good news. And it did. We saw so many people come to the Lord and healed and taken care of medically. Uh, amazing. So let's put our, keep our eyes on the Lord and, and trust him right through the trust gate. Amen. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. We bless you, Lord, for this passage in Deuteronomy, Debarim. Chapter 20 today, Lord, we thank you that you are with us to fight our battles, and we bless you, Lord, we bless you and if you've never trusted Yeshua uh, today, you've never put your faith in him, boy, what an opportunity this is the time, your time to pass from death to life to to say, Lord, I humble myself, I want to know you I want to I want to I want to have salvation. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to have a new start in life. Say, Lord God, save me. Come into my life. Just put, make that, say that prayer. Humble yourself and take that step of faith. Take that bold step today. Yes, Lord, I want to give myself to you. I'm counting the cost, Lord. I want to trust you today. And there'll be someone here if you're here present physically to to pray with you, some great people here to pray with you, someone to pray with you after service as we close now. And if you're online, please write us and we will uh, correspond with you and help you in any way we possibly can. Praise the Lord. Yissa Adonai Pana lecha Fiyasem Lecha Shalom V'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach Sar shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen.